Hello, my friends. Today, we're talking to John, founder of NFT Nashville, and we discuss how to get comfortable with the oncoming blockchain revolution, the generational adoption of Web3 technologies, and the societal impact that this technology will have for years to come. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. How do you help businesses? Because they're consumers in their everyday life. So they're going about, they're seeing the coin base. They're seeing these people make these crazy monkeys and that are trading for insane money. Which is money. hilarious to me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but how do, you, how do you take that view that's in their head mm-hmm. and then allow them to see the difference between that economy and like the underlying blockchain technology? Or do you not even try? I try. Yeah. I, I really try because it's almost like you got to tackle it head first, which is like, hey, let's not go past the way it's being utilized right now. If we could see that that's silly, like these, these JPEGs of monkeys and stuff like that, let's look at the technology behind it. And if we can have that conversation, we're one step closer to allowing businesses and companies to realize that they could apply this in any innovative way that they can. It doesn't have to be JPEGs. It could be tokened, you know, gate, token-gated access to a community, a membership. Any contract that's, that's written, that can be replaced through automatic systems now. And blockchain and public ledger and like proof of, proof of stake, proof of concept, proof of you know, all those things now. And it could take the middle person out of every, everything. And it could just be fully automated. I saw the most interesting use case that I've seen was in real estate. Yeah. Doing it with the titles. Yeah. Because title search is like a massive industry. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, we even have uh, real estate people in our community at NFT Nashville, and they are literally selling homes as NFTs. But what really it is, what really it is, is a, a, it's a contract. It's a token. Anything that you could write as a contract can be on the blockchain and can be legal, like, like actual legal contract, binding contract. So that's the fascinating part. And Tennessee itself has been the first state to accept a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization as an LLC entity. So that is huge because the the more we recognize this could be used in real estate, it could be used in healthcare, it could be used in government systems, it could take away all the clunkiness and logistical nightmares and headaches of the human aspect of it, right? Human error. It could innovate and make progress in in the tech space and for businesses, local businesses and B2B companies and big corporations. And then how do you get people to feel comfortable with it? Because they'll think, like my first thought being in real estate for so long, real estate tech was, okay, the first time I found out like how it actually works Mm -hmm. and like where's the thing that you actually, you know, own your home and it's like yeah. a piece of paper and then but what happens if that piece of paper dies like where or gets destroyed how do you get it and then you realize okay well there's these records at the office and you can go get another one and and so on and then it's like well whoever controls these records controls who owns what property yeah and it sort of makes you feel like a little uneasy in a sense that it's like that simple but there's just doesn't happen. Like it doesn't, you don't, people don't randomly lose their homes because of like insider issues with government things. But when people see the new technology, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm, st- that's not reliable or I'm scared of it or sure. I don't understand I think it. With everything when it comes to adopting new technology, it's a high risk because it's the unknown, 
right? So I think the the best way to build more trust or trusting in the technology is demonstrating. And it's it's just getting in the weeds and test learning and adapting and optimizing as you go, just with everything. In the very beginning, like in NFTs in this space, it's just that a, a, we're, we're literally in the third trimester if this was like a baby, right? <laughs> like it hasn't even been born yet, yeah. right? It's been nine to 12 months, right? That, that NFTs have been in existence and the technology is so new and we're so early that if we're trying to judge this thing on a timeline sheet of, of innovation, well, it's not even a baby yet. I feel like it's more like the bachelor party. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. Because really, yeah. like, there's some people that celebrate, but sometimes you got to pay the consequences. <laughs> people have lost a lot of money. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's a risk. But it, the risk is uh, if you don't innovate, you die, right? If you don't adapt, you, you just you fall off and like, you know, you miss out. But not only that, if there was a piece of technology that could make life easier, especially when it comes to the tremendous, like just so tedious task of, of how long it takes to close a deal on the house or like, you know, going through that whole process. If we could have a system that vets all the processes and simplifies it in, in a, a easier process for people to purchase and sell homes and show proof of ownership, wouldn't that be a better way to go about doing real estate? And if you could solidify and create a concrete kind of approach to it, which is blockchain because it's public ledger and it's all built on, you know, transactions and all these things, tie that to the the process. Like, of course, you can build now, a, your title can be on a smart contract and ownership. And if you have the digital rights or it's connected to you as your um, digital identity, right, your digital wallet, then you won't need to find that loose piece of paper and afraid that it's going to get burned down one day. Like, what if you had a house fire or like you had this and you got to go get another copy and then the filing records of the things like we lost it. You know, a lot of people are having that situation when it comes to healthcare too. So like in the healthcare world, you know, how like there's still filing cases that people go through. And if they are trying to get some work done, they're like, well, we can't find your file. Like it's, it's human error. All right. So how can we move towards a future that reduces the or closes the gap on human error, but still creates validity in the system? And that's blockchain and entities. And then how do you handle, and I'm not considering you like a, like an insane technical oh, yeah. low, low level expert, but like how would you handle, you know, the guy who's lost his hard drive that had mm. millions of dollars of Bitcoin and he's trying to get through that was the, me. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> I have, and I found my Bitcoin wallet in 2013 and I have lost my seed phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like in the hunt for my seed phrase. But I think when we first go into it, we have to, just like anything, we're taking a risk. Yeah. And that's what we signed up for. We know the importance. It's like the importance of the risk of new technology or being an early adopter you know, my first, even going to like, even to the most uh, ground level of my first NFT that I was purchasing was, was a, a rug pull or a scam. I lost a thousand dollars, right? Cause I was just testing, learning, adapting. I wanted to experience my first purchase and this was like over a year ago. And I felt like because I'm an early adopter, I'm going to have to go through a lot of the early adoption challenges that every technology person, every engineer faces when they're getting into a space or, or a new territory, right? So like I had to go through that and it was challenging and I lost money, 
I mean, I, I know a lot of people that lost more, but now I can share my experience and say, hey, this is some red flags. This is some things to look out for. This is my mission now to help people with a securing, you know, making sure that they're safe in this space, making sure that the security is locked in. And it's my mission to help others not have the experience that I've had, you know, in the very beginning. Yeah. What is NFT Nashville? NFT Nashville is a community that is based, the, my biggest focus with NFT Nashville is educating people that want to learn about Web3, blockchain, crypto, and NFTs in the metaverse. And we're a community that puts on monthly events, you know, weekly meetups, micro meetups, but we're bringing, we're, we're really curating Web3 in, in the city of Nashville and beyond. So we're finding others that are innovating in the space, projects, businesses, um, just just case studies, and bringing them and providing a platform for them to share their experiences and sharing their lessons and their learnings with people that are curious about blockchain, that are NFT curious, that are skeptics, you know, and we believe that it's the future. So we want to focus in the next five to 10 years on how do we move that conversation forward and not make it as scary as people see it as, right? So how? So these are the conversations I love having every single day. I'm not afraid of a good, you know, like, well, I heard it's a scam. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, like everything's a scam. Like, you know, like if you see it that way, but there, don't don't burn the village down just to cook the chicken. Yeah, you don't you don't cancel email yeah. because the prince <laughs> asked you for money and you exactly. got scammed. Yeah. Exactly. So NFT Nashville is really about bringing education, sharing innovation in this space, and connecting people and and allowing people to network with other people in this space in this Web three space. So they're referring. To all these new technologies, they're sort of summed up with Web3. That's the word that we're yeah, using. Yeah, so yeah, we're using the word Web3. Um, if you don't understand the word or if you're listening and you don't, don't know what Web3 means, I'll kind of break it down really simply. So we're referring to Web1 as connection to information, right? That's like uh, search engines like Yahoo, Bing, Ask Jeeves, right? It was connection to emails, sending uh, information through emails. And that was like the information stage. That's web one. Web two is connection to people. So that's when MySpace, Friendster, Facebook showed up, Instagram, Twitter. That was kind of like the web two phase where you're now connected to people. The problem with that is that these platforms that you're connected to, they're centralized. So they own all the information. So yes, it's free, but you're the product. So you as the person, your content doesn't belong to you. It belongs to their platform or the, the one hosting like Facebook. And since you're the product, they sell you to businesses that want to put advertising in front of you. That's how they make their money. So this is what a centralized kind of uh, approach is, and that's Web 2. Web 3 is connection to ownership. So we call it decentralized. And what is beautiful about the Web 3 space, this is like all things blockchain and crypto and very decentralized approach. That means that no one owns the servers or no one owns the data. It's being built across multiple servers around the world. And we call these people uh, miners. And what they do is they create more blockchains um, that is vetted numerically and with data so that it's like a public ledger 
that is agreeing with all the servers saying like, okay, like John sent Joel one Bitcoin. And then like all these servers are our computers. They're going back to their ledger and saying, is that true? Did, did John have enough Bitcoin to send to Joel? So it started with Bitcoin back in 2011 and it evolved from there in 2016 with Ethereum making it a programmable blockchain now. So it's not just peer to peer anymore that you're exchanging funds, but now you could program, like build a website on the blockchain that's connected to a currency as well. So now it's kind of evolved and that's the exciting part where Web3 is this terminology that is meaning you can have ownership now and you're the one that owns the data, not Facebook. I was talking about that with Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah. Right? This yeah. is probably the coolest interview I have ever got to do as far as names go. But he was working at MIT, like currently, like on this project where, and the way he described it to me, I think like a year or two ago, was... It's very complicated and he's really smart. I'm a monkey, right? <laughs> but <laughs> what I, I took away from it is I'd have like the bucket of my data. Let's say I've got like my healthcare data, my finance data, all, all my data, it's in my bucket, my pod. And then I can see that the bank has access, like I can give the bank access to read out of my bucket. Yes. And I can also give them access to write in and out of my bucket. And so I always hold the data. And I think that's really interesting because when he was describing this this new internet that's going to come about, it's like almost the same words you were using where it'll be decentralized, it'll be yours, how that'll look and will express itself in incredibly different ways, I'm sure, Absolutely, as we yeah. try to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, what I love, and this is something called proof of privacy, All right? So privacy now, because of Web3 and the technology, you own the keys, right? You get to allow what the world, what you want the world to know about you and what give information you allow companies to use, right? So that's that's the beauty of blockchain. That's the beauty of Web3 is that before our stuff is, is just out there, right? Like it's just if people, they say like, I forget what the percentage is, but people already have your logins like, and they had it for years. Oh yeah. They have your email information. They got all that stuff. You just don't know it, right? So now it's almost like that's, not completely eliminated, but now you have the power right in your hands. You have the keys to to let people know like what what that you want them to see or not. Yeah, I look forward to that becoming more of a thing. It should be, yeah. Because I, well, in America specifically, I think it's very un-American to have to like go to my healthcare provider and ask them for my records as if it's some sort of privilege I have. It's like Please, that's my yeah. data. Yeah, you that's, know? it belongs to me, right? Yeah. So a lot of times, and this is what people feel about their property. Um, you know, and their funds and the bank. This is the biggest issue we have. How many times have you heard stories of people going to the bank and be like, I have, you know, X amount in the bank and you won't allow me to access my funds. And, but it belongs to me. And they're like, well, no, you need about a week or however long because they don't actually have the funds. So you're like, wait a minute, how, why does it work like this? There should be a simpler way of ownership. So Web3 is literally true ownership where when you're using crypto like Bitcoin or Ethereum or all those things, you could transfer. That's a 24-7 approach, you know, and you don't have to call the CEO of the bank or Bitcoin to be like, hey, can you release my funds? It's instantaneous and it doesn't sleep. So things can be traded 24 hours, seven days a week, no holidays or breaks or anything like that, which is the beauty of decentralization, when I bought this property, mm. 
we were really tired and everything. It was the end of the day. We had done all the walkthroughs and whatnot. It was like three o'clock and we were at the closing place and we go to sign the forms. He goes, okay, where's the wire transfer receipt? It's like, well, no one's given me the wire information yet. He goes, well, here it is. So I go on my phone. I do wires on my phone all the time. Yeah. I'm going to go wire the money. I was like, this exceeds your limit of wiring. And I'm like, they're like, please call. So I call, right? And they're like, oh, sorry, sir. You have to go into a branch. I'm like, that's whatever. Where's the nearest branch? It was like, a, it's in Nashville, dude. There's, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. So I had to drive an hour and like 15 minutes. And so I'm sitting there like talking to the people at closing. I was like, all right. If I leave right now, mm-hmm. I'll get there like five, five minutes before yeah. it closes. Yeah. And so I got the manager of the bank to agree to like, you know, wait for me and everything. And uh, he was really cool when I got there and everything. But that was so close to like it not right. getting to happen and it that would day. Make or break, you know, just our everyday life of the difficulty level of getting access to your own funds that you supposedly own. Yeah. And not having access is one of the biggest challenges that I think people don't necessarily feel, but they feel it when an urgency happens, right? The beauty that I love about Web3 and how it's evolving right now is access to ownership, is that you actually own it and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want with it. Obviously, there has to be regulations, but currently it's just, it's a beautiful thing because you can just send people like, oh yeah, I'll take care of that. Boom. Like, you know, and there's no penalties. There's no nothing. It's not like you got to call anyone up. <laughs> I know. You no, know, it feels good. The ownership feels great. Yeah. All right. So talked about what the conference is. It's got the community behind it. Let's talk about when is it? Yeah. So it's happening Labor Day weekend, which is literally as of this recording, it's in seven or eight days from now. Um, so we've chosen Labor Day weekend, obviously, because Nashville is, is also always gets traffic. Like this is the number one hospitality city in the world right now. Like Nashville is a hot spot. So like we knew that people were coming in for Labor Day and our whole goal for these festivals or these events is a bridge between Web 2 to web three, right? So I call this the chocolate covered carrot, meaning I want to come, I want to invite you to be entertained, but I want you to leave educated because if we're truly leading the space in innovation and education, we have to come to the terms that no one knows about this. And I just, I just view it like that. Like no, if nobody knows about this, how would my approach being a marketer, right? How, what, what would my messaging be? What is my approach to onboarding people into the space on a massive level, right? How do I explain Web3? How do I explain ownership? How do I explain these things? And these are the things that we're talking about through the festival. And yeah, so it's happening this Labor Day, September 1st through the 5th. And it's a choose your own experience, which means like, hey, if you want to come for education, we got two days at the Hilton, the Doubletree Hilton. It's like a conference style. And if you come, if you want to be entertained and hear from keynote speakers, we have two day pass to the Nissan Stadium. That's happening Sunday, Monday. And if you want something like networking or connecting with people, we have a four day music crawl, nightly music crawl. So all throughout the weekend, we have over 30 activations happening throughout the city. You could participate and, you know, um, get discounted rates on, on, uh, drinks, on food, on beverages and come hang out network because it is Labor Day weekend. We feel like this is the best opportunity to get in front of the most people since they're traveling to the city and having a good time. So we're like, how can we integrate this and become a bridge, you know, and, and help people, um, learn about this more. So, so like 
you were saying activations. Mm-hmm. Is that like, what is that? Activations in terms of the, the venues and stuff is like, we're going to have some sort of NFT blockchain experience throughout the city. So one of them is, is even learning about NFTs and actually getting your first NFT. So part of the ticketing is uh, because of our good friends from Collabs, their uh, NFT marketplace thing. They're helping us use NFT tokens to gift to anyone that's going to participate in our event. So they could receive their first NFT and one, they, it's like a collection. So every venue that you go, you could collect uh, NFT token and then we could put them all together and you'll get like one one solid NFT from the whole event. So it's kind of like a gamifying type of thing of like, you know, where's Waldo? But yeah. like... Like catching Pokemon? Exactly. Catching Pokemon, go. exactly. But it introduces this, this fun aspect to what the space is all about. And at every venue, we have our performers, we got DJs, we got people that are in the music space that are putting their music out as NFTs. They're all performing um, throughout the venues and stuff like that. So we're going to have little activations throughout the city and it's going to be super rad. How do you put music out as NFTs? It's really simple. Um, So normally you would have like anything that's digital can be an NFT. So it's not just JPEGs. It could be audio. It could be video. It could be animations. It could be a PDF. It could be anything really. And what's really cool is you could even have token gated NFTs, meaning that like, let's just say you have a membership pass that if you own one, you could unlock perks, utility, like if you, uh, like, let's just say modern CTO had a membership NFT pass, right? Anyone that holds that pass could have access to exclusive, you know, uh, workshops, events, meetups, merch, anything that you could think of bringing value to a community. If you hold that pass now, because you hold it through a, through a understanding that you, you have the wallet ID or the identity on the back end, you can gift your community with certain things, just being part of the, the community. So it's like a membership, but it's digital now. And the music part aspect is you can put audio, tie that into artwork or pieces of art, like album art. And you could actually put that on the blockchain and people can mint it and own your music. And what I love about music NFTs is that it kind of cuts the middle person out, right? So it, it closes the gap on the friction between the musician or artist and the audience. So imagine who, who's like one of your favorite artists. Um, Miley Cyrus. Miley. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're not that, kidding. That's what we're going to use though. Let's use Miley, yeah. right? So imagine, <laughs> imagine this. I, I think of it like this because music NFTs, we're in Nashville, right? So like, it's fascinating to me practically. What does this look like for an artist? Okay. So if Miley first started off her career and she came out, I'm just going to use this term like, um, like vinyls, vinyl records, right? Imagine her first song being on a vinyl and imagine if she only produced a hundred of those and that was it. And she never produced anymore, right? At the very beginning of her career. Can you imagine how much that vinyl would be worth? And can you imagine if you hold the vinyl, how much clout you would have of like, I was the first person to buy like one out of a hundred rare vinyls of Miley's first track, right? you just own the ownership to the track like you could physically listen to it if you didn't oh i get it because the song's out there but the medium is the vinyl so the popularity is is so the song is out there yeah but who actually could say that they own the vinyl yeah right so the thing is my idea or this whole concept is imagine if that's now a digital asset 
right, on the public blockchain. Like, if she made 100 physical vinyls, you don't know who owns those things. But you could probably sell it if you go to, like, the record shop and, like, you know, of course. But she doesn't make any money when you sell that thing, right? So you would only gain that because you have ownership. But now, because it's a digital asset, every time that thing is sold on the third market or whatever, you as the owner get money from it, depending on how her career does or, or the scarcity or the value that that NFT holds, right? And because it's tied to a smart contract, Miley could get her royalties instantaneously. And in the smart contract, she could put her producer, her bass player, her mom, her dog, whoever she wants to gain any percentage on royalties anytime that NFT is traded. So if you hold it, you have value because you own it. You could do whatever you want with it. You could use it for whatever you'd like, but you could also play it and listen to it as NFT, or you could sell it because you own it. And then the artist also gets money uh, from every sell because of royalties. And it's instantaneous. Like I said, with, with blockchain 24 seven, all right. So they don't have to wait. Artists don't have to wait six, seven, eight months for a check to be cut right? and, and shipped to their door as a residual kind of pay. It's instantaneously transferred through blockchain. That's pretty cool. That's and what, what a place to talk about that, Nashville, yeah, all right? Exactly. And this is the message that we have for these musicians and creators. This is becoming a creator economy where the power is actually getting put back on the creator's uh, hands. Right? And this is why record labels are coming to our meetups every single month trying to learn because if they don't adapt or adopt this technology, they won't exist and they'll become the blockbuster of our time. Yeah. Now, what's the next generation think about this? Are they really in, into this type of stuff? Because I find myself like not caring much. Funny story is that the next generation is so, so involved because of their adoption into Fortnite and mm. gaming. So that taught them that they would spend ridiculous amount of money on digital stuff for their Fortnite or their, you know, they buy these things in their apps, right? So they're already spending money, but it never got them access to anything. It, and it never, they could never resell it or anything like that. So the idea of NFTs and owning something and a digital asset, I believe in the next five years, owning a digital asset will be as normal as owning, you know, a computer or a cell phone or a whatever, right? Because of the idea of like, they're already onboarded. They already know what it's like to make transactions for a digital asset and not like a physical good. So what that does is that easily, what like NFTs was the easy next adoption for them. So they're like one of the largest generational people that are purchasing NFTs and doing NFT gaming, play to earn. They're literally... There's little, little games on the blockchain that you could earn tokens and money and they're making money by playing video games and they're putting value on, on these platforms and because of the user base. And they've already been doing that for, for the past, you know, especially during the pandemic. Uh, it's been like a, a, a thing because they couldn't do anything else except for gaming. <laughs> so now they're like, I could earn money doing this. Let's go. At what point does this become... Ready player one in real life. It's already happening. It's already happening. It's already happening. We just haven't heard it yet because they're, they, they're not good at marketing. Yeah. You know who I'm having on the show later today is this guy who built a contact lens and you put it inside and it's like a display. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah, I've seen those. So AR is going to revolutionize, and I'll say it on your show first, right? <laughs> like 
blockchain and AR is going to revolutionize how we function as a society and how we even it's going to change fitness and health. Right? It's already trying to do that. Uh, it's going to change, you know, gamification. It's going to change the gaming world. It's going to change a lot of things. Um, using AR, even on your phone and, and making it more humanized. Like I've seen technology that you put on and in a game, if you get like shot or anything, like you could feel it. Yeah. Like you, they, tactile, like, tactile feedback. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, they're making this stuff. Like it is ready player one. Oh yeah. Like I feel like we're already there. We just need more mass adoption to happen. It's a scary thought, but yet an exciting thought at the same time. And I'm like, you know, half of me is like, do I really want the future to feel like this or look like this? And then the other half of me is like, I'm ready. Like, this yeah. is awesome. This is exciting. I can't wait to see what innovation comes out as a creative, you know, watching the thing grow and, and becoming an innovative space to be like, wow, look how far we've come, you know? It's like all the components are there. So if you were in the, you know, the 1950s or 60s, you would see all of these computation machines, these various parts of the computer. And then, you know, you would have television as well, right? But then you sort of see them all come together into this one thing as the technologies independently advance from each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see AR and, and technology being used in, um, in, in healthcare. Like I, I was watching videos of doctors using AR technology to do surgery. Yeah. And like, I'm just like, this is so fascinating to me because it's like amplifying the human ha aspect of who we are, like our limitations as humans. And that's what interests me the most about technology. It's not about these JPEGs or like, you know. The monkeys, bro. The, the monkeys, <laughs> right? It's about how it amplifies human to human impact. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the direction that I get more, most excited about. These are things that you can only have in a society if the food, the water, all the core aspects are there. It's like a, it's like a privileged aspect, like a higher level of society. Yeah. Because if those things uh, were interrupted immediately, what you would do is you would just cut the things that are physically unnecessary. Yeah. But it's interesting to think about if that's web three, like ready player one type progression, what is web four? That I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. There's some people claiming that they're working on web five. Well, you know, I'm on, I won't I'm say on any names. seven. I'm on seven. <laughs> That's what we're working on. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say any names, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, yeah. but I'm just saying like, okay, let's, let's figure out what web three is first. And then like web four, what does that look like? Because web three, if it's connection to ownership, I can imagine web four is connection to, uh, human traits. Like, you know, like, interactions you know what i mean yeah. and like like integrating the human aspect of experience biological biological yes biological exactly. integration that sounds creepy just saying it's it biological <laughs> i heard it here first modern cto is biological integration dude i've talked to so many crazy people one dude put an electronic stent up the jugular into the brain into the brain blood vessels and then you could use that to control a computer that they made a special operating system just by thinking and you could like tweet you could like use the internet it's insane it, it, that's, that's here today like that is in somebody that is a thing that's already been happening and 
the difference between it and a lot of the other solutions that are more common is all those other solutions require you drilling a hole into your skull. Yeah. This does not. It can go right through your blood vessels. Yeah. It's insane. It's crazy. And like, I don't know. I don't know how many listeners are like Bible thumpers or believers, but they're like, this is the end times. That's how I feel at some times. And then the other part of me, the innovative part and the creative part is like, Man, I'm so curious to see how this evolves. <laughs> Spectacular explosion at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm just like, wow, because like, you know, like even Elon Musk, right? It's not, by the way, the mission to Mars isn't the actual thing. Like everyone thinks that's the thing, but his actual true mission, like with Neuralink and all this stuff, is sending people to to the ends of the galaxies. Interplanetary species. Interplanetary, because if you can encapsulate like just thought and all those things and put it in a humanoid or a robot you could now travel as long and as far as you want forever and ever and ever and he's trying to preserve the human you know species or race and it's just like if you understand that part you're like okay so mars is just like a stepping stone to get to what he wants to go i think he's it's like is he crazy or is he a smart dude but i think there's a bit a, a little in between or between crazy and smart yeah people are dynamic they are they really are, but I'm here for it, eating my popcorn. Like, all right, what are they going to do? I know. <laughs> I read the uh, book of Joel. <laughs> That's a scary book. I was like, what am I named after? I yeah. asked my parents, I was like, why did you name me this? The guy yeah. just speaks like crazy words about like the end times. And it's, it's a, it's a short book and it's, it's an interesting read, but I was hoping for more like a Matthew or right. like a Mark or a Luke, Luke or something. Doctor, yeah. You know? Like I, yeah. I want like the details. I'm the crazy one. I'm the crazy end of the world run around <laughs> person. And I was like, all right, well, Armageddon. here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, man. But I, I think like, I think you're right. I mean, like we, we don't know the time or day of, of all this stuff, but it's, it's fascinating to see. I think the compound effect of technology, right? Like in these last few decades, it's taken millions of years to progress to this point in time on our planet, at least, right? To get to this place of technology where it's so advanced that it's actually rapidly changing on a daily basis. Before it was on a yearly basis, right? But oh, the progression and compound effect of, of technology is fascinating. Well, it's become a full-time job and I can't keep up with it. Like my entire job is to go find interesting people and technology leadership and interesting technologies and have them on a show. And there's so many advancements in so many corners of everything that it's impossible to even keep up, let alone just having a normal job and trying to keep up with it. Maybe that's where AI could come in and kind of consolidate a lot of Yeah, And then the AI could just live my my life for me. No, but (laughs) all right. So it's NFT Nashville. The actual, I know it's Labor Day weekend, but the actual dates of September are? September 2nd through the 5th. It's a four day event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And yeah, it's going to be exciting. How do people get tickets? What is this website? Oh yeah, right here. You can go to fest with a three, f3st.life. Three is for Web3, obviously. It's a Web3 event. You could get tickets there. And the cool thing is about NFT Nashville is like we will have these annual events where we're putting on festivals. This is the first Web3 music and arts festival in Nashville, by the way, in history. And this is the second event in the blockchain space that has been ever been on a, a, at an NFL stadium. The first one was Gary Vaynerchuk at VCon in Minneapolis uh, early on this year. But it's pretty outstanding like for me like i'm just like wow that's pretty 
pretty huge deal. But what I love is that we're a community and we do monthly meetups as NFT Nashville. We provide workshops, education. We're going to be doing uh, free online courses on YouTube and stuff like that as we bring more people into the community. And so we're really trying to amplify what's happening in the space and really showcasing and, and curating people that are doing some crazy, amazing things in the space. So that's what we're all about. That's exciting, man. Inspiring to people, right? They can come see the technology where it's at today and where it's going. Uh, one last story. So I talk often about like the venture capital company that invested yeah. in me because they're a huge part of my journey. I was having a call with them, like an update networking call, like two weeks ago, and one of the the girls said, uh, "Hey, they knew I was in Nashville yeah. currently. Like, hey, are you going to NFT Nashville?" And I'm like, "Where have I heard of that before?" Like, I don't know. I don't know. She's like, yeah, one of my friends is speaking there. And like some of us from the, from the VC fund are going to go up there and listen and everything. And I was like, hmm. And then like it struck me. And then I was like, you know, what? I think John like invited me to something with NFT. So I went back and like looked through my text. And then I, I went on Google and I like Googled, you know, founder of NFT Nashville and there pops up your face. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, I haven't talked to John in five, four or five months. Yeah. And this is what's, well, we talk a little bit about like kids and unrelated yeah, sure, stuff, yeah, yeah. but uh, I was like, space. he's at Nissan stadium, like <laughs> the stadium in Nashville, putting on an event and like, wow, has, has this thing grown quickly in the past five, six months. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of poke fun at, um, NFT time is like a week is a month and mm-hmm. NFT time. Things move very quickly. And because it's so new that every, it's a small, it's a small pond right now. So you could be a big fish in a small pond. I think like less than 2% of the, the world knows about NFTs or blockchain, right? So it's just like, it's so early. So you're not late. This is very early, very, very early. It's just so fascinating uh, how our lives cross paths and you're like, what's, what is this? Oh my gosh, it's John. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's awesome than what you're doing. I'm glad that we could have you on. There's some promo codes. What are the promo codes people are going to buy tickets? They're going to go to uh, our website. When they click on the link, they're going to type in MCTO20 for the Eventbrite platforms. And they're going to type in MCTO50 to get 50% off at the Nissan Stadium, uh, the two-day pass. So we're excited to... Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. So so short notice. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love our conversations anyways. So thank yeah. you for allowing me on the show and yeah. and promoting the, the event. It's going to be great. And yeah, man, I just appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, buddy. <laughs> awesome. We did it, man. We made a podcast. Woo! Feel good? Let's go. I feel great. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.